When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Girl on Top Shallon XO podcast. I'm your host, Shallon Lester, and you might know me from my YouTube channel, where I analyze celeb relationships and scandals for the lessons we can take into our own lives. But here on the podcast, I answer the best questions you submitted over the past week. Got a love quandary? Head to my website, shallonlester.com, to get connected, and also shop my merch and take some fun quizzes. Be sure to rate and review this podcast if you like it, and follow me on Instagram at ShallonXO, and find me on YouTube for four new videos a week. Welcome back to the podcast, my little shalligators. Well, last week, we talked about leaning back. There's time, of course, to stand up and be bold, but there's also a time to recognize that you need a beat. You just need some time to yourself and how that relates to burnout. Because I'm beginning a lot of feedback from you guys and just people in my life about we're kind of hitting this wall, this emotional and existential wall. And not just because it's the summer and maybe we kind of want to shrug off some of our responsibilities and just go enjoy our life, but mostly because of this past pandemic year, you know? And The underside to this burnout is, number one, we're collectively feeling it, you know, so it's hard for us to find people to sort of pull us out of a rut because, man, they're in the same kind of position. But also, we feel guilty for having this burnout. I mean, we're looking around and we're like, why am I so tired? I haven't done anything in the last we though? Haven't we just been trying to survive and thrive in a time of so little stability and knowledge and just... Ugh, we've all kind of been our worst selves this past year. And I think last week we spoke about how we've been using so much emotional bandwidth and energy to do things that previously we were on autopilot to do. Going to the drugstore, grocery shopping, meeting people outside, just standing close to someone. Those weren't even things we thought about. That would be so bizarre, right? Montana, as you guys have you know, spoken about, has been pretty much open for business I don't know, for almost a year now. I mean, it's been pretty lax because we just don't have that many people, you know? So I understand that we don't have to have the same sort of rules and regulations that like New York City, Miami would have. But I'm on vacation in Mexico right now. Well, it's sort of vacation. We're going to get into it. And there's masks and we're in the airport and all of this stuff. And just the bandwidth of being like, oh, do I have my mask with me? Oh, wait, I need to put it on. Again, these were things that priorly we didn't have to think about. We're using energy, even if it's in small doses. Energy is currency, and that means we're we're still spending. And the same way you can fritter your money away on silly little purchases like dumb lattes that are six bucks a day, but hey, that adds up. We fritter away our energy on things. And so when it comes time to make big emotional decisions, when it comes time for a big emotional expenditure, whether that's going to a party, traveling, switching careers, pulling up for a big presentation at work, We simply don't have it. Somehow we're looking around and we're a little bit bankrupt. So we're going to talk a bit more about burnout today. And we're also going to talk about how we can use this in a positive way. 
how we can reframe expectations in our life, redo some boundaries, and get back out there after our little hibernation. You know, if we need some hibernation, if we have a sort of an emotional winter season right now in some ways, how we can actually use burnout to become the more authentic version of ourselves. I'm going to give you some actual real world tips we got to get back to our breathing. You know, I'm sorry that this was such a long preamble and we didn't get to our mantra. So let's do it right now. Now, I've said before, we don't really have a mantra anymore. We just do the breathing and the deep breathing. But if we want to have a mantra this week, maybe take time for myself. Wherever I am is okay. So let's let's get comfortable. Let's roll our shoulders back. Let's unloose that jaw. Yeah, ooh, loosen it up. Loosen it up. Yeah, wiggle it around. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And we're going to breathe in through the nose. We're going to hold it for a few beats. And then we're going to exhale. Here we go. In through the nose. Hold. And out through the mouth. Sometimes when I do these exercises, the mantra kind of comes to me. And the mantra that just popped into my head was, whatever I need is okay. So if you want one, maybe use that. Here we go one more time. Whatever I need is okay. And exhale. So let's talk a bit more about burnout. Burnout is this feeling that you just can't go on. And society tells us that's not really acceptable. We've talked in the past about our previous book club selection, Essentialism. And I really, 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 if you haven't read it or listened to it on audiobook, I love it on audiobook because the guy's British and I find the accent soothing. I feel like I learn better when a British person is telling me something. You know, I don't know. I'm like, you just seem smarter than me. So I'm fixing to listen. But he was talking about the word priorities, priorities, plural. Up until the 19th, like I think it was like 1900, around 1901, that word didn't exist. It was priority, singular. What's your priority? Not many, one. But then the Industrial Revolution came along and suddenly production was ramped up, output was ramped up, and now oh, priorities started becoming a thing. And kind of the thesis of that book, if you haven't read it, is no, what is your singular priority? What's pri one? So would I sit down to do my work every day? I'm like, oh, well, I have to do a video and a podcast and get back to my manager and do this brand deal. I'm like, no, what is pri one? What's pri one? Um, Okay, the video is pri one. Great, we're gonna cut that off the list. Now what's the next pri one? Okay, it's the podcast. Great. But if I sit down, I'm like, all of them are priority. They're all a priority. Then I feel myself like emotionally collapse, you know? And I say this because that concept of grind culture, all these priorities, team no days off, hustle, rise and grind. People who post rise and grind on their Instagram need to be like shipped off to some island where they can't, first of all, where they don't have any Wi-Fi and they can't spread that message. It just makes me crazy. It's so fucking cringe. Anyway. This grind culture thing is also, it's a leftover of slavery. Since we're talking about word origins, the word quota, like how many things you have to produce, the quota you need to meet, how much work has to be done, that word didn't exist before slavery. When people were doing their own work, well, fuck, it's like, I'm producing what I feel like producing. I'm producing what the earth and the ground is producing. I'm, I'm producing whatever I can get done a day. And man, that is what it is. That's it. But suddenly, when there are other people to subjugate and work literally to death, it's like, well, I'm not going to harvest 10 bales of corn. 
or bushels. I guess they're not bales. Bales of hay. Bushels of corn. I've talked a lot about corn lately on this podcast. I'm so sorry. I'm not going to harvest 10. Shit, if I have 100 slaves and I really don't care if they drop dead, I'm going to harvest 300, you know? And this is what this leftover is. We've been taught to glorify this grind culture and never take a step back, never take a day off. You're tired. I'm more tired. You're hustling. I'm hustling harder. What if we're like, man, I'm not hustling at all. I am super well rested. I am super well rested. I'm okay with whatever I authentically need. But I really think the worst part about burnout is the shame that's associated with it. We're not supposed to burn out, especially if you're young. And I'm sure there's your parents, your grandparents or whatever saying, you're too young to be this tired. You're too young to be cynical. I'll respect to your grandma, but like, come on. No one has the right to decide our needs for us. No one has the right to do that. And when we start allowing it in this sort of larger societal way, oh, you're right. Yeah. Team no days off. Who decided that? Literal slave owners? Like, I mean, what? Like when you put it in context like that, if you wind it back to when this whole concept was invented, it was an extremely toxic thing. It was a deadly disrespectful thing. So why are we holding on to that? So even if it's people in your life who love you and maybe they're trying to be encouraging, you got this, keep going. Well, there's a time and a place for that rhetoric. Absolutely. And, you know, there's something they call like toxic positivity. I've heard this, I've heard this recently where it's like, this is just sort of very aggressive live, laugh, love thing. Like no matter what happens, think positive. You don't have to be positive about everything. And I really think grind culture is sort of like woven into that. At least it is for me, how I see it. Like, no, you can, you can absolutely receive messages of keep going, tenacity, but you can also receive messages to listen to your own messages. What's coming from your psyche? What's coming from your heart? What's coming from your bones? I right now am in Mexico on a shalligator trip with Trend 45, and it's fantastic. I mean, there's, I think, 12 shalligators on this trip. There was about 10 on week one that we did. And it's a lot. I'm not going to lie. It's a lot to be, first of all, traveling. You know, I, I was saying, like, my travel stamina has, I feel like it's just evaporated. I used to, when I lived in New York, I would be on a plane twice a month. I would go sometimes to California to visit my mom. And I would take just for the weekend and I would take a red eye back on a Sunday night, land at like 6 a.m., go straight to work, stuffed to the gills with Adderall to like get through my day. And I'm like, dude, how did I do that? Not even how, but why? I was doing it. I look back now. I wasn't happy in New York. I was and my mom said this to me. She's like, are you traveling or are you running? Are you vacationing or are you fleeing? And I was not really ready to look in the face like, no, I'm fleeing. I am running. I am manic AF and I hate New York City. But now that I live in Montana and I genuinely love where I live, I hate to leave. And it's frightening. I've always had a really difficult time letting go of a previous version of myself. You know, we talk about change and change is hard and burnout is change. Burnout is everything in your life saying, hey, this isn't working, man. Maybe it'll work again in a few months. But right now, we were, where we are today, no, something's got to give. Something's got to change. 
And when we change our logistics, when we dial down our work schedule, when we dial down the socialization, we feel like we're turning down our very identity. Who am I without the grind? Who am I if I'm not producing, producing, producing? If I'm not going out and partying, if I'm not dating, what's left of me? Well, the chance to remake yourself, you know? The chance to look around and say, what is authentic? We've talked about this before as we were moving through the pandemic. And, you know, I was always just really trying to encourage you guys to find some sort of silver lining because, man, you know, like it's happening, right? Like we can't change it, but we can change what it means. We can reframe this as a horrible, horrible tragedy that we're all going through and dealing with. And we can turn it into something that maybe has a positive outcome, whether that's now I work out every day. Now I've dialed down my expectations for socialization. And so, we have to kind of do this. It's not a one and done thing. You know, remaking ourselves and finding silver linings is not, it, you don't just do it once. You have to consistently do it in order to keep the message constantly receiving. So this is our chance to redo it again, you know, to pull back and be like, now that we're entering, everything's kind of, you know, not back to normal. And I hate saying that because I don't know, in a way it's like, will anything ever be normal? I think logistically things will go back to normal, but what we've experienced will always be there. You know, we have, maybe you have grandparents who live through the depression. Maybe you're too young and they're, you know, maybe your grandparents are only 60, but my grandparents lived through the depression and that never left them. That never left them. My great grandmother, she would reuse Ziploc bags and wash them out. You don't even want to know her thoughts on tampons. Trust me on that. But that never left them. And this might not ever leave us. So how can we make it good? How can we make this positive? How can we make it authentic? So let's talk about how to become more authentic after burnout. I know that where we're all at right now is a place of great fluctuation. And it's almost like we're going through this social puberty again. Like when you're in high school and when you're going through puberty, everyone's in, everyone's growing, but they're all growing completely different rates. Some people are like 15 and having sex. Ugh. Some are 15, they don't have their period yet. Like I think I didn't even, I did not need a bra like mostly through high school, but I wore one anyway because I wanted to feel, you know, normal. Like I didn't kiss anyone until I was 18. So we were all looking around at everyone else constantly and comparing, 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 comparing. And I know we're doing that again right now. Some of us, like me, are traveling and it's business as usual. And I moved to a place in Montana where it was going to be business as usual. And then I'm looking at my friends in New York and they're still like, well, I don't know about indoor dining. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I couldn't live like this. And they look at me and they're like, I couldn't live like you are. Just willy-nilly out there in the world. I'm too anxious for this. And I think, well, man, I'm too anxious to keep going by these draconian rules, you know? So we're all comparing and that leads to a lot of tension. I think we have all gotten in fights with people who prior to this pandemic were so aligned, best friends, parents, siblings, boyfriends, because we've all had a very different experience. We've all had a very individual experience with something this difficult and yet we're all going through it together. It's really, really tricky. But because it's so individual, we have such an opportunity for authenticity. So if you're facing burnout, this is step number one. Be honest, man. Be I truly didn't understand the concept of burnout because I was like unwilling to. Like when I was in my 20s and like, I mean, grinding and hustling, burnout 
seemed like such capitulation. It just seemed like such failure and acceptance of that failure. Wow, you're burned out. Join the fucking club. What is wrong? Who do you think you are that you get to just take a break? That you just get to step back? Don't you know that life is short? Don't you know that these opportunities are passing you by? Right? I mean, that talk about a fear brain based message. Now, I reframe that as positive. Like, hey, I'm grabbing hold of every opportunity. I'll sleep when I'm dead. Blah, blah, blah. Adderall, Adderall. Like, that's how I was operating. And <laughs> because I can't go back and undo it, I'm like, no, that worked out. I, I did take advantage of everything. Okay, yeah. But I was also pretty chaotic. I didn't have healthy dating relationships. I didn't even really have very healthy friendships. I pushed everything in my life to the limit. And when you stretch something, it can snap. And most of my like relationships and connections, they did. My marriage did because I wasn't pulling back. I wasn't acknowledging where I was coming from. I wasn't listening to what my psyche was trying to tell me, which was, you need to dial it down, girl. You're getting some therapy. You need to stop traveling. You need to look at what's going on in your life. Do you actually enjoy any of this? Because the answer was no. So be honest with people in your life. Be like, hey, yo, I'm burning out on socialization. And again, there's that shame. There's shame in that in the best of times. And here in the worst of times, when we haven't been socializing for a year, it seems insane that now that things are allegedly back to normal, we're like, well, this is too much. It, right? Doesn't it seem crazy? It's like, wait a minute. I thought you were starving. Here you are served a meal. And you're like, I'm actually not that hungry. Like, what? what? Which is it? You feel like you're almost spitting in the face of God or something. Like you've been wishing for this normalcy and getting back out there. And here it is. And you're like, actually. But what was our mantra? Whatever your needs are, are fine. They're fine. And I bet if you communicate this to people, man, they get it. And you know what? If people don't get it, who fucking cares? I don't understand how orange could be anyone's favorite color. I don't get it. It makes no sense to me. It is a terrible, hideous, tacky color on me. And the fact that other people purposely wear it blows my mind. And yet they do. And it's really no skin off my back if they do choose to wear orange. You know what I mean? And that is pretty much how everyone else's emotions goes. When you think about it, like, yeah, you know, you want your friends to be social, whatever. But at the end of the day, their needs don't really impact your life. And you don't think about it too much. What's the motto we go back to? We wouldn't care so much what people thought about us if we knew how seldom they did, right? So be honest. Tell people what you need. Say, hey, you know what? I'm going to go out. I'm going to meet up. But it's probably just going to be for a drink because I'm honestly, I get really anxious now. And I'm, I've always been a bit of a social sprinter or maybe not. Maybe I was a social marathoner, but now I'm a sprinter and my sprints are short. So I love you guys. I'm going to have to dip. People who love you are going to get it. And they're also going to see you as an opinion leader. Hmm. Wow. She's being really authentic. You know what? When I think about it, I actually kind of only want to stay out for a drink too. I just, just sort of needed someone to say it. But now that she said it, I'm like, oh yeah, no, I completely understand that. that I promised myself I would do here in Mexico on these trips, that I would take 
breaks when I need them. And it's really hard because there's girls here who hang out with them. I mean, dude, you guys are all like so cool in real life. Seriously. Like I have the best fans, the best followers. It's not like weird Selena Gomez stands. Like every chick I have met through this career is a girl I would legitimately be friends with. And we do become friends. So I'm just like, ah, this is amazing. But I also have to put my needs first in order to be the best Shallon I can be, in order to give these girls the best experience. And that means, you know, I'm not hanging out 24-7. I remove myself when I need to. When I start to feel that anxiety, I try to stay really in touch with my body because anxiety starts in our body. I mean, obviously, you know, it's in our mind, but our mind affects our body. Where do you carry your anxiety? Does your jaw clench? Does your tummy get in knots? Do you get this feeling in your chest? Do you start bouncing your knee up and down? Really, really try to hone in on those clues. Your body's trying to tell you something. Are you listening in a way that's effective? And so once I started listening, for me, it's like my brain kind of starts to throb. Like I start to feel like I've got a concussion almost. I'm like, all right, we're in the brain throb stage. So I'm going to go back to my room. I'm just going to lay there. I'm going to read. I'm going to listen to a podcast. Not my own because that would be so weird. (laughs) I'm just going to lay. I'm going to regroup and I'm going to go back out there. I'm sprinting. And sprinters rest. And they sprint again. And then they rest. And I feel guilty. I feel guilty for listening to my own needs. But I'm trying to tell myself I would feel guiltier if I was my worst self giving these girls a bad experience. So it's quality over quantity. And it's not easy to have your metrics of what you need when they might not be everyone else's. But look at it from the reverse end. If you want to be the best daughter, the best employee, the best friend, what do you need in order to achieve that? And not what society says you need, which is, you always have to be there when someone needs you. Oh my God, if you're upset, I'm going to come over. I don't care if it's 1 a.m. Yes, I do care if it's 1 a.m. I need to go to sleep. Those are my needs. I'm not going to come over and sit up and hear you cry about a dude and fuck my entire next day. No, I'm sorry. I'm going to be there for you within the parameters of what works for me because I need to be there for me first and foremost. If I'm not, then I'm not effective to anyone else. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. You ever heard that phrase? (laughs) Is that ever true, right? Like if your parent is unhappy, everyone in the house is high key miserable. So treat yourself like mama. If you are a nurturer, if you're a lover and a fighter and a rider and a dyer for your friends, you can only be the most effective weapon for the people you love if you take care of that weapon. Another thing I want to touch on in terms of burnout and coming back after this whole pandemic and stuff is trusting people. I was talking to some of you guys, Mackenzie, hi girl, Yonka and Maya and Kibby and all of you little shalligators. I just love you guys so much. But it's about trust. How do you trust people? You know? And Mackenzie was saying, she's like, you know, even just sitting this close to you, we were sitting at breakfast talking. She's like, that's different. You know, we've been, it's been drilled into our head for the last 18 months. Get away, six feet, six feet, six feet, right? So just going back to what priorly again took zero emotional bandwidth. Sitting, how far am I away from someone? I don't fucking care. I'm just, I'm as close as I want to be. There was no other set of rules I was abiding by other than my own rules. And this is what has been so frustrating for me to watch in this pandemic. And I know, I know it's been frustrating for you guys. It's like, we no longer got to have our own set of rules. I no longer had self-governance. Where I could stand was now determined by someone else. How close I could get to someone, how I moved through the world in an emotional sense and just in a logistical sense. 
that was now determined by someone else. And my mom would say this during the pandemic. She's like, God, like these anti-maskers, it's like freedom. We need our freedom. She's like, what the hell is it with America and the freedom? I'm like, mom, it's all we've got. You know, like this is our whole brand is freedom. We're not the great education country. We're not the physically fit country. We're the free. We are the land of the free. So when that's taken away from us, it takes our whole identity as Americans with it. And that is extremely emotionally disruptive. So to get back to who we, as Americans, you know, you might be listening from a different country, but I'm sure freedom is probably kind of a thing where you live too. To get back to that means, okay, I'm now trusting again. How do I, how do I do this? How do I trust other people? Trust is a function of us. We like to think, and you know, we can circle this back to dating. It's like, how am I ever going to trust a guy again? I got cheated on. And I always say the same things to you guys. You just do it. You simply just do it. Or I hear from you guys, I haven't dated in so long and I got my heart broken and I meet this guy and I finally, like I opened up and I trusted him and he broke my heart and he ghosted. How, like, I'm just, I'm devastated. And I tell you, you opening up had nothing really to do with him. It didn't. You opened up because you decided to, because on some level you were ready to be seen and heard and understood and connect again. I mean, he like maybe made it a little easier. Like he exhibited qualities that you thought that was like a safer bet. And okay, it didn't work out. That's just how it goes sometimes. It's, this is just, these are just the odds of dating. It's gambling, you know, and sometimes the house wins. So trust in dating is a function of us and trust in everything is a function of us. And we learn to trust and we make those connections by knowing ourselves first and foremost and having faith in our own resilience. I want you to make a list, like a resiliency list, basically. All the things in your life you've overcome, things that actually didn't kill you. They didn't destroy you. Did you lose, like, I don't know, the whole foundation of your life because of it? No. When I think about the worst things I've been through, like the death of my father, he committed suicide when I was 22. It was horrible. It was horrible. And I definitely spent many years just in grief and guilt and just, ugh, it was horrible, but it didn't kill me. And when I look back, it brought me closer to some of my friends, but the downside, it really did delay my career. I mean, I was like, I was stuck. And, you know, I, I talk to you guys all the time, how trauma freezes you at the age in which it occurs. And I'm, I'm stuck at 22. <laughs> you guys are so funny. You're like, you kind of won the trauma lottery though. Cause it's a great age to be stuck at. I'm like, no lie. Like it really is, <laughs> you know, you're like lively and fun and whatever, but you're still sort of mature. So hey, can't complain except for the fact that I can, and I'm about to like, yeah, that's a great age to be stuck at. I guess if you had to be stuck at some point trying to find the silver lining, but I didn't get started on my career when I feel like I should have, because I was, I was dealing with a lot. And so that's why I think I hustle so hard because I'm always trying to catch up to where I think I should have been. That's why I have a problem being like aging, honestly, is because I feel like years had been stolen from me in grief and misery, and I deserve to have them back. So when we look at resilience, I mean, I think, okay, well, no, there really was a fallout and I wasn't very resilient. You know, I lost a lot of time. But gee, then what's the silver lining? I hustled harder than people my age. And so I advanced faster because I was trying to make up for it. Hmm. 
Okay, well, that's a silver lining. So I'm going to add that to my resiliency list. My divorce was catastrophic and it really did. I mean, I've always said everything I was afraid of happened. Every single thing, every awful thing I was afraid of did in fact come to pass. So if I think on the resiliency scale, like, well, I wasn't being paranoid. It all really happened. Okay, but the silver lining there is, man, now I'm bulletproof. What can come against me now? I know I can go through the worst of the worst and come out the other side. Like, okay, I loved again. I still had friends. In fact, it helped my career because now it's like I've gone through so much. I just, I get it. I feel like it made me so much smarter. Like I can read the matrix now. So, okay, that's on the resiliency list. What's on yours? I want you to make that list. And now I want you to make a second list, okay? And these two are going to come together and fuse. I want you to make an anxiety tipping point list. When you feel anxious and when there's like a burnout coming, whether it's based on your career or based on going out, let's let's pretend it's social right now because I know a lot of us are, are feeling that where like the things we used to be able to do either are not fun anymore or they're not as fun for as long, you know? Like maybe you can't just hang out with your friends for eight hours. Maybe you kind of start freaking out around like hour two. I want you to log that tipping point. What is it? And this requires stillness. This requires us constantly checking in with ourselves and our body and inhabiting our body and feeling our feelings in the moment. Ooh, my stomach. What is that feeling in my stomach? Ooh, mm, better eat some candy. No, no. That's my psyche trying to tell me something. What is that? Mm. For me, I'm very like orally fixated. Like I'll panic drink and I'll panic eat. And so I have a mantra that the therapist gave me. What was it? You are fine just the way you are. You're fine just the way you are. You're fine just the way you are. You don't have to be the court jester. You don't have to be fun Bobby. You don't have to be the life of the party. You don't have to host, so to speak. Now, the other part of my brain's like, actually, Shallon, you're in Mexico with your fans. You, you do need to host. That's literally the point. Okay, that's true. That's true. But I go back to, I can't just host. I need to be an effective host. And sometimes that means strategic retreat. Like we talk about in war. Like we talk about in battle. And isn't this sort of a battle? Aren't we battling our own I don't want to say demons because our needs are not demonic. They're not a problem. They're simply a thing that needs to be heard. But we're battling our own expectations for ourselves. And that is demonic. We're battling what society says we have to be. That is a demon. So, all right, we're going to pull back. We're going to regroup the troops. And we're going to go back when we feel stronger, okay? Hmm. So when I look at my anxiety tipping point, it happens in my chest. And like I said, it happens in my brain. My brain starts to twitch. I'm like, okay, but what's happening logistically? Like, is it, you know, there's boys around. I have to try to flirt. No, (laughs) I like that. (laughs) More boys, the better. It's when I feel like I'm too much in the center of attention. Like I'm, I'm being, like I'm talking too much. You know, I don't like that. Like birthday parties, like kind of give me hives. I, it seems like I would love to be the center of attention. And I do, but for a small amount of time. Okay. That's data. I have data about myself. So when I feel like, oh, it's, it's too much of the Shallon show. Mm, that's when I get anxious. And that's when I like say just dumb, unfunny jokes. So that's when I'm going to pull back. That's when I'm going to turn the person next to me. Kibby, tell me about your YouTube channel. You're getting off the ground. Maria, tell me about life in Germany, right? Sarah, oh my gosh, how was the date with that guy last night? We throw the ball. So, okay, I've got data about when my anxiety tipping point occurs. And maybe it's for you when you are like on your third drink, you start feeling tipsy and it's like, oh, I feel anxious. Okay, maybe you want to do things that don't involve alcohol. 
yeah, but I always used to. And my friend's like, you know what? You have the right to be different. This is the next thing you're going to do. You're going to overestimate how different you're going to be and you're going to tell people. The beginning of this, we said, you're going to tell people, hey, I'm burning out. I need to pull back. This is how I'm feeling. We also want you to tell people in your life, I've come out of this pandemic totally different. The things I used to do and enjoy, I can't do them now. Maybe I'll get back there, but I'm not there yet. Oversell it. Make it seem like you're just going to have an absolute emotional bug out, like minute 15 hanging out. Because then if you make it to minute 25, hey, you're really, yeah, you're doing great. You can always sort of like walk it back. But if you tell people, I am fine, I am back, I'm not anxious, but, 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 well, they might hold you to that standard. And that's just going to make you more anxious. Act more fragile than you are, I guess, because then you're going to build in this buffer to really listen to yourself and have that sort of cushion. It's like, oh, she's leaving the party. Sean's leaving the party. Yeah, because we're drinking a lot. And no, she told us she doesn't really want to drink anymore. So that's cool. We'll see you tomorrow, girl. You know, but then you have the leeway to rise and recede as you see fit. Not as the societal expectations, not as your friend group, not even as your boss. One thing I told everyone to do in this pandemic, like all of my friends in real life, I'm like, do the least amount of work possible. Now is your chance to reset the bar. Do the least. Do the least. Because you might have a bad day, a bad week where you actually like do have to just do the least. Like you don't have it in you. If you're rising and grinding and you raise the bar and outputs up and pa pa pa, okay, cool. Your boss is going to be impressed. Who fucking cares? You're working yourself into an early grave. And now when life does open back up, well, they're going to expect you to keep producing at that level, right? Do the least. Paris Hilton said one of my favorite quotes that I apply to many different aspects of my career when I work for other people. If someone asks you to do something, do a really bad job so that they never ask you to do it again. Ah, chef's kiss. But that's true. She knows the art of protecting yourself first. She knows how to get the servings of emotional needs met for yourself before anybody else's. And there's something beautiful in that. There really is something beautiful sometimes in a narcissist. They move through the world protecting themselves. And you know what? They're kind of happier, right? We can resent them when they're, you know, too extreme. But man, you can't knock the hustle when you think about it. So just to recap, this is what we're going to do. We're going to acknowledge where we're at. And we're going to go back to the mantra, whatever my needs are, are fine. They belong to me. No one else has to approve. No one else has to even understand. They simply need to respect it. And if they don't, well, why is this person in your life? Well, I mean, and you might be like, well, it's my boss. Okay, well, is this the right job for you? And if it's not, okay, this is some data. Now we know. I need to work someplace where I'm not expected to check email at 10 p.m. Those are beyond my needs. Next, you're going to make that resiliency list, things you've come through. And I'm not saying things on that list are not going to have any sort of fallout associated with them. They probably will. But that fallout, for every down, there's an up, right? For every underside, there's a top side. What was the top side of that? What did you learn? Because we never lose, we win or we learn. And lastly, oversell your shortcomings. Pretend that you're going to have complete freakouts and meltdowns so that you have that buffer built in for a little bit of leeway, a breath, if and when you need it, and also to gather more data about truly what you need at this point in your life. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast, Shalligators. Don't forget to connect with each other on the Shalligator Reddit thread. Just 
search alligators. There's like 3,000 of you on there. And please consider coming on the next Trend 45 event with me. I'm pretty sure our next one is going to be in Morocco. It's so fun. It's such a unique experience. I just love getting to hang out with you guys. And you know what? I bring a ton of snacks, like so many gummy worms, just gummy worms up one side and down the other. <laughs> I'll see you later, alligators. Bye. Well, that's it for this episode of Girl on Top. Thanks for being part of the Chalantourage. If you have a love question you need some help with, find me on my website, shallonlester.com, and be sure to connect with me on Instagram at shallonxo and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Stay sweet, stay savage.